Lord, thank you for this time that we have come together. We pray for the kitties to just be calm, and we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're on the air. <laughs> uh, good morning, Akron Alliance Fellowship. Thanks for being here this morning. Um, I'm Melvin Gaines. We are here for Sunday School, live stream Sunday School, another edition. Uh, special thanks to Arlen and the praise team for the music, which we're about to play to allow people to get on with us. And uh, good morning, Brother Nate. Uh, from the Pacific Time Zone. Appreciate you being here this morning. And we're going to play James Cleveland has a nice take on uh, the Gladys Knight song. Uh, Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to me. I'm going to play that right now while we allow people to jump jump online with us. And good morning, Marnell, too. Hi, everybody. Thanks for being here. <clears throat> Good morning, Ronnie. Good morning, Arlen. That's right. Robbie Mansfield, good morning. Thanks for being here. Robbie Mansfield. Thanks for being here. Praise the Lord. Good morning, Brother Fry. Thanks for being here.
is the best thing. A song like that, everybody knows the lyrics. Good morning, Laura. Thanks for being here. Amen. Amen. It's weird how you can see names and I can't. I mean, I can never figure that out. I know. get a witness. in the choir. Don't expect me to join and sing with you. This is my bath this is my bathroom voice. <laughs> it's my shower voice. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Amen. Amen. a great, great song, uh, Jesus is the Best Thing That Ever Happened to Me, by James Cleveland, James Cleveland, and he is, uh, did of course a, a little take on Gladys Knight's hit song, changed the words and made it really nice, indeed, amen, uh, something that we can uh, just say praise the Lord for uh, this morning, thank you again Arlen for that selection, fantastic, much appreciated, we um have a few announcements this morning before we get into Sunday school. Just um, uh, nothing, um, nothing pressing, but something that is important to make sure that we're uh, putting forth for the benefit of everybody at the church as well, too. First of all, uh, uh, we will be outside today uh, at church, and I'll circle back on to that uh, situation in one moment. 
Um, the message today will be also available online uh, here on the Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook page timeline immediately following Sunday School. It is uploading uh, in about seven minutes. Uh, it is Settling the Unsettled. It's a message that I'm bringing today at, at church. And, um, of course, we can't do anything easily here. Thank you. Um, our kitties will, will like to always like to move around a little bit around here, and that's one of our the issues we have sometimes with our, our cats. But let me uh, make a note again. Unsettling the unsettled is the Sunday is the uh, message for today, not the Sunday school message, but the message for uh, today that will follow on the timeline. Please make sure that you're uh, staying available online for that if you are not coming to church in Akron. Um, we will be, uh, of course, going to church in Akron. We'll be outside in the parking area in the back for the 11 o'clock service. And I just want to make sure that you're aware that we are going to make sure that we're going to be outside as more, more often than not, if we can be, just because of the nature of the uh, discussion of variants that are continuing to propagate themselves throughout the country and throughout Ohio. We encourage everyone to stay safe and make sure that I think the most important thing right now is that if you want to wear a mask, you can. But uh, I think the most important thing, too, is just to use proper hygiene and just make sure you're doing everything you can do. And if you're not feeling well, then, then please stay home. Uh, I, I think that's the other thing, too, because it's really important for us to make sure that we're emphasizing safety. Akron Alliance Fellowship cares about the safety of every member. We want to make sure that everyone is um, in a safe environment coming to church. You shouldn't have to feel like you're in a safe, an unsafe environment. So with that being said, please uh, keep that in mind as we uh, kind of move forward here week after week and just keep an eye on things and make sure that things are staying under control. Um, I'm thankful we don't have any issues to worry about right now, but I, I would just say to you that as we're going to be outside today and just be conscious of uh, others when we are going about and moving about uh, at church at the and having fellowship time. We, we're getting used to hugs, and I know those are hard to break up and, and, and forego. Just keep those things in mind. If someone else is not comfortable, just to be aware of it, that's all. Uh, but just be conscious of that. We want to be safe. We want to remain safe. And I just want to emphasize that is kind of the message for the church, uh, church body. So uh, we appreciate you understanding that. And we will move forward now with uh, other issues like remembering your tithes and offerings, which is pretty important too. Remember your tithes and offerings. We are encouraging you to, if you're coming to church, we have a drop box for those at church. If you are not coming to church and you still want to contribute, you're welcome to mail your tithes and offerings to Akron Alliance Fellowship, and the address is 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. And so that would be the uh, address for mailing those, and we, uh, we appreciate your keeping those things in mind as we continue to do what we're doing to operate a church, to run a church, uh, keep things moving along. For all intents and purposes, we will be online uh, for Sunday school for the foreseeable future, which is what we had pretty much had planned to do anyway. Online all the way through December, and we had talked about going back in January, but we're going to even keep an eye on that and see if that's even going to hold. Uh, so we just appreciate your patience. We encourage you to invite others to join us for Sunday school. Sunday school is not just for Akron Alliance Fellowship. It's for anybody who wants to tune in. So we appreciate you all. Uh, passing the word on as you discuss church with people and what they're doing. I'm reminded 
there are a lot of churches who are just have not have been able to meet even regularly this year, which is really a, a sad thing to hear, and it's uh, uh, unfortunate that those things have been taking place. But we, we're going to do the best we can to keep meeting as much as we can, having Bible studies online, doing whatever we can to try to encourage uh, the proclamation of God's word uh, in the glory of the name of Jesus Christ. We just want to keep doing that, and we're going to keep emphasizing that as much as we can. And we will gather together on Sunday mornings. That's what we're going to try to do. So I uh, appreciate your understanding with all of that as we move forward. I think I've covered all the announcements that are important. We will now move forward to the book of Hebrews, and we're going to get into Hebrews chapter 2. I'm going to close this again. Let's see if that works. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 2, uh, verses 11 through 18. Excuse me, I don't know what I said just now. Hebrews 2, verses 11 through 18 is what we're covering today. It's the last part of Hebrews, chapter 2. Uh, we had a very good discussion last week about uh, Hebrews in the first section of chapter 2 about angels and where God was the one who was performing the, the signs and miracles. And now we're going to get into this latter part of the chapter and cover some important points as well, too. And I appreciate your patience and your prayers again for our church and Pastor Gus, uh, making sure that he is doing well. He has a week off this week, and I'm um, going to trust that he's going to use that and just rest and relax and and uh, just keep him in prayer, though, for ongoing uh, healing as well uh, that he needs. <clears throat> Pardon me. And uh, if you have your coffee, and I know I do, um, let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer. Prayer is always important, Amen. Father, we just thank you for this time that you've set aside for us to be involved with you by listening to you speak through your words and through the power of the Holy Spirit giving us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. We thank you for your presence this morning. We ask that you just bless us as a church, bless us as a people, bless us as we just truly want to hear only your words, Lord, not any words that I have to say, but just you speaking through your words as far as what you want us to have and understand about Hebrews chapter 2, verses 11 through 18. We thank you for what you're doing right now in our lives. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for protection, peace, and we thank you for allowing us to be able to move about day after day, knowing that we are carrying you through the Spirit, that we are just conveying godliness. We are conveying that we just truly want to glorify you in all things that we do. And we give you thanks for the opportunity and the ability to do so. And we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Everybody, turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Hebrews chapter 2, verses 11 through 18. That's what we'll be covering today. 11 through 18. Good morning, Bev. Thanks for being here this morning. Uh, we have our, looks like we have our usual complement of people with us on Sunday school. And I thank you all for your loyalty and your uh, continuing to hang with us as we've been doing this now for a little over a year and a half <laughs> uh, online, which is uh, just an amazing thing to understand that we've been doing this for that long now. And uh, we'll be doing it for a little bit longer, but we appreciate your being here. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 11 through 18 is where we are today. We're going to be reading from the New Living Translation. Uh, my lovely bride put up the passages there in the uh, comment section. For those of you who have your Bibles, though, we, we're going to cover this now. We're going to read it uh, all the way through from 11 to 18. We'll go back over it. 
Starting with verse 11, Hebrews chapter 2. So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same Father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. For he said to God, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among your assembled people. He also said, I will put my trust in him. That is, I and the children God has given me. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil, who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Verse 16, we also know that the son did not come to help angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. Okay, that is Hebrews chapter 2, verses 11 through 18. And uh, I, I, thank, uh, I thank you for your patience. Well, I know that you didn't know everything that was going on behind the scenes, but uh, uh, one of our cats likes to get involved into the lesson whenever she knows that I am online. So that's, uh, <laughs> that's usually what happens. We have to, <laughs> if you listen to the beginning of this broadcast we were praying for God's peace because we know the kitties it's really only one kitty that does anything like that so um, I appreciate your patience with all of that all right let's carry on let's get back to the top of this thing uh, Hebrews chapter 2 verse 11 and so we want to read the verse again just as a refresher here so now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father that is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. For he said to God, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among your assembled people. He also said, I will put my trust in him. That is, and I and the children God has given me. Now, I know I've mentioned the last few weeks, a couple of weeks, that this chapter of Hebrews, we, we think that Paul is the author, but we are not sure about that. There's a lot of discussion about that. Uh, amongst the circles of those who are doing commentaries. It could be different people. For years. Uh, for, and it's been going on for years. It's, this is nothing new. This is something that's been discussed. We think it's Paul. We don't know for sure. But this letter is written exactly like a sermon. It, it, is, it just jumps out at me that way, and that's just my interpretation of it. And the reason why I say that is also going to be embedded within verses 11 through 13 here. Um, we need to understand that... Um, because it's making references to a couple of different passages in the Old Testament uh, that we refer to. Of course, back then it wasn't called the Old Testament. It was just in Scripture itself. But it's making references to Scripture to make points. And I think that whenever you see something like that, it gives you cause to understand who the audience is, who this is being written to. It's being written to Jewish Christians who are very familiar with the Mosaic Law. They know what the law is. And so the reference point is being made uh, to these passages to be able to emphasize the point. So what is the point being made here? First of all, we who have been set apart for God's service, 
We are now the people who have that relationship with Jesus Christ in the same way uh, the Father has. And um, we're cleansed. We're made holy. We're sanctified by the presence of Jesus Christ. And so that is who it's referring, what is referring to here in verse 11. Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same Father. In other words, we're all in the same family. We all have the same fellowship uh, in the body of Christ. And we have a fellowship with not just Jesus, but with the Father himself. And so, because of that, we are now what we refer to as brothers and sisters in Christ. We are all brothers and sisters. We are all related in the body. And I, I don't think that could be emphasized enough when we talk about uh, efforts of unity and, and making sure that we are together as a group. When, when the world talks about disunity, uh, the body of Christ should be doing nothing but speaking about unity. And even if there are things to fix within the body of Christ that need unity uh, to be at where unity needs to be addressed, we can do so with the full knowledge that we have co and equal fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, no matter where we come from or where we're going. Now, remember, Paul, um, Paul was sent out to save the Gentiles. That was his mission. And, of course, the Jewish Christians were already involved here. So he's talking about all people from all backgrounds, all areas, all races, all individuals like that. The, these are things that are emphasized in Scripture, and they should be emphasized today in the same way, because Jesus is very clear about this fellowship that we have. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And that is what is emphasized. It might be one of the most important things of this particular passage that we're covering today. This unification, this thing that we have in Christ. When you go about, we, when we recognize and see other brothers and sisters of different races or different places who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have immediate fellowship with those individuals because of our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has always been the unifier. Jesus Christ has been the provider, frankly, of, of our salvation. He's given us grace. He's done all these things. He's given us the mind to be able to reconcile with one another where we need to reconcile and address issues and not hang on to bitterness or wrath or uh, embrace strife, but do the exact opposite to release those things and those burdens directly to him and get back to the business of being unified in the body. We need that desperately today. It's so important today. We want to emphasize that. And I think he's emphasizing it right here, too. And I love it what it says in verse 11. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. They are, we are brothers and sisters of Christ. Now, we, of course, reference the Father being God. Um, he is our Father. And so we understand that And in the same way we have a familial relationship where the Father is to be referenced as with reverence and respect. And we need to approach God in that very way as well, too. Remember, Jesus Christ is the one that allows for that relationship to take place. Because before Christ, we did not have that type of relationship with the Lord. We have always been able to call upon God, but it was always been, if you look in scriptures, going back in the Old Testament, has been perceived as a not so close of a relationship. And there were certain things you could and couldn't do. And there was always the fear if you saw God uh, face to face, you would die on the spot that 
that type of relationship obviously has changed uh, as we go through Scripture. And Jesus Christ is the reason for that change, that he is the one has, who has given us the ability to see the importance of uh, brotherly and sisterly love in Christ and having that relationship where we are all God's children and God loves us and wants us to be in fellowship with him. So there are various psalms that look forward to Jesus Christ with his and his work in the world. And if you look at verse the latter part of in the middle of verse 12, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among your assembled people. That is actually a direct quote from Psalm 22:22. This is what I was referring to about how scripture this this particular uh chapter uh in hebrews it looks like a sermon to me um and you know i just want you to recognize is there references so many references to scripture and psalm 22 just happens to be a messianic psalm it's one of the messianic psalms now this is the other thing that i've learned too about the messianic psalms there are a number of messianic psalms depending upon who you talk to <laughs> it's really weird how this happens and in, in, in interpretation there are anywhere from 13 to 15 messianic psalms in scripture of all the psalms referenced there are 13 to 15 of them i i believe it's it's probably closer to to in the middle i'll just say it's 14 but but having said that the this is psalm 22 is a messianic psalm and it's a messianic psalm that actually refers to uh if you read the rest of that psalm it's a psalm that it talks more about Jesus' persecution and his sacrifice on the cross. And, and there are different messages within these Messianic Psalms. I would challenge you to uh, go and look up Messianic Psalms. And if you were to do a duck, duck, go search, I prefer duck, duck, go over Google, but that's another discussion. Uh, you do a Messianic a search on Messianic Psalms, and you will see different references to different Psalms that will pop up uh, either in, in, uh, in script or in pictures that you can look at. And you can actually look those different psalms up, and they will be just a great teaching tool to show you how, of course, Jesus was being prophesied all throughout the Old Testament. And these messianic psalms will show all aspects of his life, you know, from when he was uh, going to be uh, conceived all the way through to when he died on the cross and was sacrificed and his ascension. It covers all of those areas in different parts of the psalms. So. That's a, a bit of a homework project for you, just to keep that in mind. And not to lose the point of what we were talking about here in this passage, we want to make sure that God, we understand that God has adopted all of his believers as his children. And so when he does that, Jesus has called them and calls them his brothers and sisters. And we always add brothers and sisters in Christ. That is how we are related. Of course, we're all part of the human race. We're all related in that manner, but... But but as being very specific in Christ, we are all brothers and sisters because Jesus refers to us as his brothers and sisters. Okay. Very good. Let's go to verse 14 in Hebrews chapter 2. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For as only a human being, he could die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil, who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. So you have to kind of read that closely and not too quickly. 
because of the way it's kind of written, and you have to follow very closely with this just to make sure you're not losing anything. But the point of this particular passage in, in verses 14 and 15, Jesus had to become a human. Have you ever had the question as to why did Jesus have to come to earth? Why did he have to do it the way he did it? Why was this God's plan? Well, we can only answer so many questions for that, but we can make a, a statement a declarative statement that shows that this was necessary according to God's plan. And it was that Jesus had to become human so that he could die and rise again in order to destroy the devil's power over death. That's what had to happen. Now, we, we need to understand something. God's uh, a God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, they're all immortal gods. They were all created. Uh, well, they were uncreated. They were uncreated. They were all present at all times. So in order for mankind, in order for us to have a representation of what it was to make a sacrifice, then Jesus had to do what he did according to God's plan. Um, and let's take a look at Romans chapter 6. And let's see, if I remember correctly, this is going to help explain exactly what we're referring to here. Romans 6 verses 5 through 11. Sorry about that. Make sure you have that. Romans 6, verses 5 through 11. There are many mysteries about what the Lord has done for us that we won't completely understand, frankly, until we're with him. But we need to understand, based upon this conversation, that Jesus had to become flesh and blood, just like us. Romans 6, verse 5. This is the English Standard Version I'm reading from. Um, um, Mrs. Gaines put up the NLT version online. You can look at that or follow along with my reading. For if we have been, uni if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. You see the point. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Verse 8, Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. For the death he died, pardon me, so you must also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. And that's what we need to understand here. Christ had to die for the purposes of, of overcoming death and being that representation that would overcome death because G, G, uh, God had put him in that position to do that very thing. And only Jesus Christ at that point could deliver this whole thing that was always encompassing us. After death, what would happen? In, in many cases, you know, people today always speculate about that. What happens when we die? What happens when we die? And some people think we just fail to exist or whatever it is, but others uh, understand that if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and have faith, we have eternal life with him. That's what we're talking about here in Romans chapter 6. So Christ had to deliver those who had lived in constant fear of death and free 
them free themselves to live for him. That's what Jesus had done. That's what Jesus did with that very act. And when we belong to God, we need not fear death because we know that death is the only way, the only doorway into eternal life. Now, there's a reference to this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, we, we won't be able to cover all of that, but uh, it's a good homework assignment for you to look at 1 Corinthians 15 and just go there and start looking at verse 12. And that is going to talk about what Christ did on the cross for us and what the resurrection represents, if you read all the way through. And that's another homework assignment for you, giving you homework. Uh, uh, but it's good homework. It's good homework for greater understanding about the mystery, this whole mystery about what Jesus Christ did for us by coming to earth as a human being, becoming um, as the Son became flesh and blood. He is was the sacrificer, all of us, who were human beings that were, according to verse 14 in chapter 2 of Hebrews, we're all flesh and blood. We all have a mortal presence here on earth. Now, one thing that I do want to emphasize here and just remind everyone of here, too, is that we, we have been learning more and more about who we are as we've studied God's word and we understand and, rep and rep recognize that we were all created as eternal beings. Our souls are eternal. Uh, our bodies are fragile. Our bodies break down. Boy, we have back issues. Uh, Mrs. Gaines, uh, when she looked up at me when I said that, <laughs> it's, we have things that hurt. They get sore when you go and work out. You start tweaking things, and they start tweaking back at you. We we just have a, a lot of uh, uh, stuff that we deal with with aches and pains and all. Everybody knows what I mean when I say that. But we are still created now as eternal beings. Our souls are eternal. And what we need to understand here is that Jesus Christ has taken care of a great mystery for us and provided for us the ultimate security in knowing that we have a place prepared for us, we have a place that's waiting for us. When we trust in Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we have security. Security in the fact that when we die and we leave here, we know where we're going to be. We're going to be at fellowship. We're going to be with him. We're going to be with Jesus Christ. We're going to be with the Lord. We're going to be in that prepared place uh, that will be waiting for us. That is going to be the best thing, of course, when we get to that point, when we understand that. But imagine how freeing that is to know that you have a place to go. How bad is it for those individuals who have no clue where they're going to wind up and they get, they're just fearful about it and they just don't really quite know what to do and thinking that they're only going to exist for a certain period of time. My wife and I were talking about this yesterday. You know, the, the Lord uh, graciously will give a person 70 years of life and some don't quite make it there and that's another issue. But if you get to 70... Every year after that, amen, is a, is a blessing, a bonus. It, it's worth cherishing and understanding that God was gracious enough to give you that time. And, and I, I look at that as I see Laura's name pop up again. Um, God bless her, 100 years. I mean, that's, that's what, uh, what a blessing that is to have. And to have it, not just to have it, but have it in good health. I mean, that's what, that's what we all would look forward to. I saw something this morning in reading about when, when Moses died where God basically, you know, uh, is the one who buried Moses. Uh, he died on the mountain uh, after he was shown all the promised land that he couldn't go to. And he was 120 years old. And it, the scripture points out that he, his eyes were not dimmed by any stretch, and he was, in, he was in excellent health. 
And so for what it's worth, if we have excellent health, that's a great thing. It's a wonderful thing to cherish and just give God the praise for. But even if we don't, we give him praise anyway, amen, because we have life. We, there are things that we can do while we're alive that we can do to glorify him in all aspects of our lives. So we always keep those things in mind. And Jesus died on the cross for us to basically break us free from the fear of death because he defeated death. When uh, I heard this, this is one of my favorite uh, verses as well too, John 8.36, those who are free in Christ are free indeed. I heard it again this morning uh, on television. And I'm reminded that, that we should say that verse all the time when we remember how free we are in Christ because we are free from a lot of different things. We are free from the condemnation of sin. We're free from sin's penalty. We are free from uh, sin just taking us to the point where we are uh, overwhelmed with uh, grief. We don't ever have to live that way. We need to recognize that the fear of death is not an issue anymore for us because death has been defeated by Christ. So we don't need to fear death anymore. This is something that's really, really important for us to grasp and remember. When we say praise the Lord for what he has done, we sometimes need to go back to the basics and look at exactly what God has done for us. He has freed us from death. He has freed us to a place where we have eternal life. We have a doorway to a new life. That's the way um, it was referenced here, a doorway. We, are, we have a place where we can go, and we know that, frankly, if you dread death, you know that Christ's hope in Christ is what helps us to overcome this dread. He has taken care of all this stuff for us. And as a person who has observed people who are at the end of life and, and recognize that we have end-of-life situations, one of the most important things to convey for those individuals who are having uh, that wrestling with that situation, pray for those people to make sure that they come to a saving knowledge of the Lord before they leave here, but also give them security knowing that when they do leave here, when they have that relationship with Jesus Christ, and they're going to be, Jesus is going to be waiting right there for them. He will be right there present with them. It won't be any, uh, it won't be anything where they're just kind of left out or wondering what's going on. It'll be very, very clear about a, a measure of peace, an overwhelming peace, and the fact that God will be there with you at that immediate point. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. That's exactly what would happen uh, in death. And we need to remind ourselves of that. We need to convey this information to others as well, too, that that's exactly what would be taking place. We don't need to fear death. We don't need to dread death. We know that Jesus, in this lesson, this message that was being conveyed in chapter 2, that he had to die as a human being. He had to be sacrificed on the cross to break the power of the devil. He was the one who had the power of death. Satan represents death. That's the only thing Satan represents. When he, We, of course, have called him the liar and the father of liars, and he is the one who does not want to see people in Christ uh, succeed. He wants to trip them up as much as possible so that they indeed will scuffle and struggle in their own faith. Remember, Jesus says we only need to have the faith of a mustard seed. And I can't emphasize enough of that. Uh, in Luke, when I'm reading right now, he emphasized just having the faith. What is the kingdom of heaven like? It's like having a mustard seed of faith. And that mustard seed blossoms into a real tree 
and even the birds can nestle in the trees once it, it, it comes about. Remember, a mustard seed is, you could barely see it on my fingers if I showed it to you. But that just shows you what the kingdom of heaven is like. That's what Jesus gave as far as a, a reference to what the kingdom of heaven would be and using uh, kind of like a, a parable, uh, a demonstration of what that was about. It just takes a little bit of faith. And the little bit of faith that you have, that little bit of measure of faith, God will meet you where you are and help you through those situations. He will help you through it. He will help you to grow in your faith. That's what our relationship with Jesus Christ, that's why it's so important. If we aren't consistently reading scripture, if we aren't consistently seeking after him in prayer, if we aren't consistently consistently meditating on his word and studying his word, we can go back and make parallels make references to other parts of scripture. You've got to do these things to be able to be strong in your faith. That's what it comes down to. That's what we all have to get really, really good at. We need to make sure that we're doing those very things. Now, you're going to get good at it as you sincerely seek the Lord and seek him in prayer and seek him from the standpoint of studying and looking at his word. It's never going to be perfect. It's never going to be clean, but make the effort. Keep doing those very things because that way you can recall different passages to help to reinforce your faith, reinforce your standing in the Lord. Know that you are indeed a brother or a sister in Christ, and that's what he refers to you as. He, of course, uh, does that because of his relationship with you. He is our intermediary before God. He is the one who we always pray and we say in Jesus' name because that's the reason. He is the one. He is the reason for our existence. He is the reason for us being here. Always keep that in mind. So back to verse 15 in Hebrews 2. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. It was done because it needed to be done. It had to be done. It had to be a physical representation for people to see um, that sacrifice, what that sacrifice meant. He is our human sacrifice. He was the demonstration of all those different sacrifices that took place in the Old Testament where animals were were slain and the blood of Christ was, or the blood, pardon me, the blood was uh, thrown onto the altar. But we had to also see the blood of Christ being shed for all mankind as a sacrifice. And so that was exactly what the representation of all those different demonstrations about how uh, in order for his sins to be forgiven or paid for, uh, the people had to do certain things to make sure that uh, those sins uh, were given on the altar uh, by the priests. And that was what it was had to happen. But, of course, as you recognize, now that Jesus Christ has died on the cross, that those extra animal sacrifices are no longer necessary. He has done it once and for all, for all people. And we just praise the Lord for that. Amen. That's what's important here to see. All right, let's go back to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. We've got a little bit more to cover here. We also know that the Son did not come to help angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham. We'll talk about that. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. So you see how verses 16 and 17 go back and explain exactly what was going on for verses 14 and 15. It's just an emphasis of the point being made here. 
We, of course, remember when I just got done talking about the sacrifices. In the Old Testament, the high priest was the mediator between God and his people. His job was to regularly offer animal sacrifices according to the law and to intercede with God for forgiveness of the people's sins. Now, Jesus Christ is our now our high priest. Now, let me make a point here, too. You, you of course, uh, for those of you who are familiar with uh, uh, Catholicism, uh, we have this thing called confession, and we have to go into a confession booth, and there's a priest there that hears your confession, and he is supposed to be, according to what it says in Catholicism, the intermediary between you and the Father. Well, there's really no need for that. We already have the intermediary, and that's Jesus Christ. We don't need a middleman. We don't need any other ways of doing things. Now, I don't want in any way to insult anyone uh, who is Catholic, who may happen to be online here, but Scripture is very clear here as far as what we, what we need and we don't need, and we don't need another human being to be an intermediary for us. We only have Jesus Christ to look to for this, and we need to recognize that and understand that. And I think that it's important for us to go back and look at the context of what's going on here. Uh, if you are Catholic, you, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, then that's all that's necessary. You have an ongoing working relationship with Jesus Christ personally. You do not need to go through any other intermediaries to receive or achieve that goal. Um, the Word is very clear about that, and we emphasize that in just making sure that we recognize that Jesus Christ is our high priest. He is the one that we go to. He is the one we go directly to. And we don't need to do anything fancy to do it. All we need to do is acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We don't need to give, we don't need to sacrifice animals to do it. We don't need to do anything that was proclaimed in Mosaic Law. And I think that's what the emphasis is given to here. Remember, this is being written for Jewish Christians, new in the faith, new in understanding of what exactly was involved with who Jesus Christ was. This explanation was taking place for the purpose of making it very clear to them there was no need to go back to the old law. And that was in spite of a lot of pressure from a lot of other people who wanted to stay with the Mosaic Law. And even um, as I was reading uh, in 1 Corinthians, uh, no, in Colossians uh, the other day for another Bible study, that they were trying to convince these new believers in Christ they had to become Jewish before they could become believers in Christ. They had to go and get circumcised and then follow Jewish traditions before they could become uh have a relationship in Christ, and that's not true at all. We need to make sure that false teaching, anything like that, had to be overcome constantly uh, in these letters. You can see it all throughout the New Testament. It was, it was quite rampant, and understand why it was rampant. It's because of Satan. Satan wants to trip people up and put obstacles in the way of individuals recognizing the importance of faith in Jesus Christ. Obstacles. That's what Satan is all about. Satan wants you to experience a number of obstacles uh, in your relationship with Jesus Christ. He puts up all kinds of stuff to try to get in the way. You need to be prayerful. You've already defeated Satan. Satan has already been defeated by Jesus Christ. He has already been defeated by dying on the cross. So there's nothing that Satan has any power over you to do. You don't give him the power to do it. You give all of your issues, your problems directly to Jesus Christ. He is the one who will address all those things. He is our high priest. He is the one who intercedes for us on behalf of God for the forgiveness of sins. Remember that. If we ask for forgiveness, he is faithful and just to forgive us. 
because of exactly what he did for us, because he's righteous. He makes us righteous before God. Praise the Lord for that and praise the Lord again. So we need to understand that it was necessary for Jesus Christ to be our high priest. He came to help us, um, not to come to help angels. Angels are God's representatives. They are his messengers. They help him to intercede and help us. That's what angels do. Angels are the ones who come forth and provide either information and they do it in different forms, different ways. We don't, we don't want to get into all of that. There's so much involved there. But he is helping us, the descendants of Abraham. These angels are helping us in the same way too. But that's why Jesus came to earth. It wasn't to help the angels. It was for the angels to, frankly, follow behind him and help us. He was the one interceding before us. Jesus Christ is our high priest. Amen and amen and amen. That's what we need to recognize. He came to earth as a human being, so therefore he understands our weaknesses. What did Jesus have to do in order to be relate to us? Well, he didn't really need to do anything, but he needed to show us in a human form that the same things that we experience, he experiences. The same things that we go through, he went through. He had moments where he had to pray for strength himself. He did that in John 17. You, you can go back and look at that and look at his prayer. And look at exactly what was being said and what was taking place at that time. This was right before he went to the cross. He even prayed for strength. He went through temptation. He was being um, uh, basically ushered around by Satan. He had to kind of go through this as a process to show everyone that you can resist temptation. And how do you resist temptation? By going back to the word of God and just saying the word of God is true and you just proclaim the scripture. Man does not live by bread alone. These are all things that uh, you would proclaim. That's exactly what he said when Satan was trying to tempt him. He was showing us and understanding that we have weaknesses because he went through the same thing. He did it and once and for all paid the penalty for his sins, for our sins, pardon me, for our sins by his sacrificial death and atonement. I have to slow myself down. I to start talking so fast it don't make any sense. So, <laughs> uh, but that's exactly what I did. I had to slow down. He is atoning for all of our sins by his sacrificial death. And frankly, what Jesus does for us is so important for us to recognize and understand too. He actually does restore our broken relationship with God. We had a broken relationship with God. It was broken until Jesus Christ came along. When he died on the cross, he uh, forever atoned for that where our relationships were always off and on. I mean, if you really look at it from the standpoint where if back in the Old Testament the, the, the priests had to make the sacrifices for our sins and just have to keep doing it over and over again and how it really wasn't working and how many of our, our people, frankly, were just disobedient. They didn't want to listen to God's word. And, and, and so here we are now where even when we are disobedient, if we just turn and ask the Lord for forgiveness, he forgives us. What a wonderful thing to have now because we have this intermediary. We have this high priest uh, in Jesus Christ who has gone before us. We are released from sin's domination over us when we commit ourselves fully to Jesus Christ, fully to Christ. Uh, I can't emphasize that enough. We have to trust completely in what he has done for us, and that's exactly what the whole point is of this. Take a look at uh, Hebrews chapter 4. We're on the home stretch here. Hebrews chapter 4, 
verses 14 through 16. Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16. And interestingly enough, this particular passage in Hebrews, um, which we'll be getting to in a, in a few weeks, <laughs> we're not there yet, but we'll get back to it, but it's actually going to refer to, it says, Jesus, the great high priest. We, this teaching is so important in Hebrews that we need to look at here. Hebrews 4, 4.14 uh, this is, again, the English Standard Version. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Very important for us to see there, too. He's showing us that we can resist temptation by just not sinning. You don't fall for the temptation. Verse 16, He let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And there's always going to be a time of need, amen? There is always going to be a time of need where we're going to have to go right to that throne of grace and ask Him for help, ask Him for forgiveness, ask Him for mercy, ask Him for grace. Um, and one of the things I'm, I have a big kick on right now, too, is praying with specificity. Um, we we tend to have a tendency sometimes as we get uh, maybe more and more in our faith, we sometimes just have a general prayer. We might ask for healing uh, for a person, but not be specific about what kind of healing. Pray with specificity. The more you grow in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, the more you should be praying with specifics because that's part of your petition. That's a petition. Prayers and petitions. Petitions are specific prayers. And, and I, I, I'm going to be prayerful that you think about that and really think about what that really represents and what that really means because we really need to make sure that we're doing those very things as we develop our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Last verse, Hebrews 2.18. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. That's important. Knowing that Christ suffered pain, faced temptations, helps us to be able to face our trials. We have trials we go through, amen? We go through trials and tribulations all the time. These are things that Jesus is showing you. I know what you're going through when you're going through it because I've been through it. He is showing you exactly how relatable of a God he is. That, if, if there was no other reason for Christ to come to earth than for us to see his relatability to us, he relates to us, uh, his creation. And that's what we want to see here. He knows those struggles so we can trust Jesus to help us survive suffering and overcome temptation because that's what we, it's all about. When we go through trials, what do we have to get through? Those trials, that suffering, overcoming temptation. Doing something, for example, to medicate pain. I mean, you know, when you're self-medicating, that's always a problem. Um, there's one thing to get medication from your doctor if you have issues, but it's another thing for you to do self-medication, which is not prescribed medication. It's not something that's not beneficial for you. It's not helpful for you. We need to be able to overcome that. Help Jesus to allow you to do those things where you're not taking matters into your own hands. When you face, pardon me, ask him, ask Jesus to help you. That's what I meant to say. Thank you. Ask Jesus to help you.
Uh, this is exactly why. I'm, I'm very excited about this material. I don't know if you're getting that or not, but uh, it's just it's coming f f forward very quickly, and I really have to slow myself down to make sure I'm not over-talking or saying something too quickly. So uh, forgive me for doing that, but uh, that's usually why it's best to have a wife nearby who knows what's going on too um, to make sure I'm saying the right thing. Go to, <laughs> go to Jesus for strength and patience. He understands your needs. He is able to help. That's exactly what we read in Hebrews chapter 4. He is our intermediary. He is our high priest. He can do all those things. So, I mean, we have emphasized here in this chapter the superiority of Jesus Christ. That's what we want to make sure that we're looking at here. He indeed is superior. He is the one who we go to to help us through these moments, help us through these times, to be able to truly grow in Christ. He has overcome death for us. He has shown himself to be our high priest. It is declared in the word. Uh, it's not ambiguous. It's very specific. Always remember that when we look at that. And also just be open and have ready to have conversations with other people uh, about the love of Christ in your life and, and show them. Um, you can show them these passages about what Jesus Christ has done and will continue to do for us as long as we trust in him and come to him when we're in need. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that's set aside for us once again for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for being our high priest. We thank you for what you did for us on the cross. We thank you for declaring us your brothers and sisters in Christ. We thank you for that too. We thank you that we can come directly to you and know that in our relationship with you as it grows and gets deeper and deeper and, and just becomes more and more meaningful, that you will continue to impart wisdom and guidance to us as we go forth, proclaiming your goodness to others proclaiming your glory to others. We thank you for that as well, too. Help us, Lord, as we look at even our homework assignments and look at uh, the Messianic Psalms and, and look at passages like in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We just go back and look at those references and, and just see what you're teaching us. See what you're showing us about how you indeed are our all in all in everything that we do. We give you praise and thanks for all these things, and we ask them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks, everybody. Thanks for being here today for another edition of Livestream Sunday School. We'll be back again next week and get back in, get into Hebrews chapter 3. Uh, as a reminder for everyone, we will be outside today. Uh, and online, we'll have a following a message, Settling the Unsettled, which will be in the timeline here on the Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook page. God bless you all. Take care of yourselves. I'll see you in Akron. Hold a place for me down there. I'll see you a little bit. And uh, until next time, we'll see you. Take care.